Conclusion of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Conclusion. There was an active stir in the camp. Fires surrounded by groups of happy human beings were burning in front of the tents, and many a beast was slain, here as a thank-offering, yonder for the festal supper. Wherever Joshua appeared, glad cheers greeted him, but he did not find his father, for the latter had accepted an invitation from her, so it was before the prince of Judah's tent that the son embraced the old man, who was radiant with grateful joy. Ere Joshua sat down, her beckoned him aside, ordered a slave who had just killed a calf, to divide it into two pieces, and pointing to it said, you have accomplished great deeds for the people and for me, son of Nun, and my life is too short for the gratitude which is your due from my wife and myself. If I can forget the bitter words which clouded our peace at Dovka, and you say you have done so, let us in future keep together like brothers, and stand by each other in joy and grief, in need and peril. The chief command henceforth belongs to you alone, Joshua, and to no other, and this is a source of joy to the whole people, above all to my wife and to me. So if you share my wish to form a brotherhood, walk with me, according to the custom of our fathers, between the halves of this slaughtered animal. Joshua willingly accepted this invitation, and Miriam was the first to join the loud acclamations of approval, commenced by the gray-haired nun. She did so with eager zeal, for it was she who had inspired her husband, before whom she had humbled herself, and whose love she now once more possessed, with the idea of inviting Joshua to the alliance both had now concluded. This had not been difficult for her, for the two vows she had made after the son of Nun, whom she now gladly called Joshua, had saved her from the hand of the foe, were already approaching fulfillment, and she felt that she had resolved upon them in a happy hour. The new and pleasant sensation of being a woman, like any other woman, lent her whole nature a gentleness hitherto foreign to it, and this retained the love of the husband, whose full value she had learned to know during the sad time in which he had shut his heart against her. In the selfsame hour, which made her and Joshua brothers, a pair of faithful lovers who had been sundered by sacred duties, were once more united, for while the friends were still feasting, before the tent of her, three of the people asked permission to speak to Nun, their master. These were the old freedwoman, who had remained in Tanis, her granddaughter Hagla and Assur, the latter's betrothed husband, from whom the girl had parted to nurse her grandparents. Hori Eliab had soon died, and the grandmother and Hagla, the former on the old man's ass, had followed the Hebrews amid unspeakable difficulties. None welcomed the faithful couple with joy, and gave Hagla to Assur for his wife. So this blood-stained day had brought blessings to many, yet it was to end with a shrill discord. While the fires in the camp were burning, loud voices were heard, and during the whole journey not an evening had passed without strife and sanguinary quarrels. Wounds and fatal blows had often been given, when an offended man revenged himself on his enemy, or a dishonest one seized the property of others, or denied the obligations he had sworn to fulfill. In such cases it had been difficult to restore peace, and call the criminals to account, for the refractory refused to recognize anyone as judge. Whoever felt himself injured, banded with others, and strove to obtain justice by force. 
on that festal evening her and his guests at first failed to notice the uproar to which every one was accustomed but when close at hand amid the fiercest yells a bright glare of light arose the chiefs began to fear for the safety of the camp and rising to put an end to the disturbance they became witnesses of a scene which filled some with wrath and horror and the others with grief the rapture of victory had intoxicated the multitude they longed to express their gratitude to the deity and in vivid remembrance of the cruel worship of their home a band of phoenicians among the strangers had kindled a huge fire to their moloch and were in the act of hurling into the flames several amalekite captives as the most welcome sacrifice to their god close beside it the israelites had erected on a tall wooden pillar a clay image of the egyptian god seth which one of his hebrew worshippers had brought with him to protect himself and his family directly after their return to the camp aaron had assembled the people to sing hymns of praise and offer prayers of thanksgiving but to many the necessity of beholding in the old-fashioned way an image of the god to whom they were to uplift their souls had been so strong that the mere sight of the clay idol had sufficed to bring them to their knees and turn them from the true god at the sight of the servants of moloch who were already binding the human victims to hurl them into the flames joshua was seized with wrath and when the deluded men resisted he ordered the trumpets to be sounded and with his young men who blindly obeyed him and were by no means friendly to strangers drove them back without bloodshed to their quarters in the camp the impressive warnings of old nun her and nashon diverted the hebrews from the crime which ingratitude made doubly culpable yet many of the latter found it hard to control themselves when the fiery old man shattered the idol which was dear to them and had it not been for the love cherished for him his son and grandson and the respect due his snowy white hair many a hand would doubtless have been raised against him moses had retired to a solitary place as was his wont after every great danger from which the mercy of the most high brought deliverance and tears filled miriam's eyes as she thought of the grief which the tidings of such apostasy and ingratitude would cause her noble brother a gloomy shadow had also darkened joshua's joyous confidence he lay sleepless on the mat in his father's tent reviewing the past his warrior soul was elevated by the thought that a single omnipotent never erring power guided the universe and the lives of men and exacted implicit obedience from the whole creation every glance at nature and life showed him that everything depended upon one infinitely great and powerful being at whose sign all creatures rose moved or sank to rest to him the chief of a little army his god was the highest and most far-sighted of rulers the only one who was always certain of victory what a crime it was to offend such a lord and repay his benefits with apostasy yet the people had committed before his eyes this heinous sin and as he recalled to mind the events which had compelled him to interpose the question arose how they were to be protected from the wrath of the most high how the eyes of the dull multitude could be opened to his wonderful grandeur which expanded the heart and the soul but he found no answer saw no expedient when he reflected upon the lawlessness and rebellion in the camp which threatened to be fatal to his people he had succeeded in making his soldiers obedient as soon as the trumpet summoned them 
and he himself in full armor appeared at the head of his men they yielded their obstinate wills to his was there then nothing that could keep them during peaceful daily life within the bounds which in egypt secure the existence of the meanest and weakest human beings and protect them from the attacks of those who were bolder and stronger amid such reflections he remained awake until early morning when the stars set he started up ordered the trumpets to be sounded and as on the preceding days the new-made troops assembled without opposition and in full force he was soon marching at their head through the narrow rocky valley and after moving silently an hour through the gloom the warriors enjoyed the refreshing coolness which precedes the young day then the gray light of early dawn glimmered in the east the sky began to brighten and in the glowing splendor of the blushing morning rose solemnly in giant majesty the form of the sacred mountain close at hand and distinctly visible it towered before the hebrews with its brown masses of rock cliffs and chasms while above the seven peaks of its summit hovered a pair of eagles on whose broad pinions the young day cast a shimmering golden glow a thrill of pious awe made the whole band halt as they had before alush and every man from the first rank to the last in mute devotion raised his hands to pray then they moved on with hearts uplifted and one shouted joyously to another as some pretty dark birds flew twittering toward them a sign of the neighborhood of fresh water they had scarcely marched half an hour longer when they beheld the bluish-green foliage of tamarisk bushes and the towering palm trees at last the most welcome of all sounds in the wilderness fell on their listening ears the ripple of flowing water this cheered their hearts and the majestic spectacle of mount sinai whose heaven-touching summit was now concealed by a veil of blue mist filled with devout amazement the souls of the men who had grown up on the flat plains of goshen they pressed cautiously forward for the remainder of the defeated amalekites might be lying in ambush but no foe was seen or heard and the hebrews found some tokens of the thirst for vengeance of the sons of the wilderness in their ruined houses the superb palm trees felled and little gardens destroyed it was necessary now to remove from the road the slender trunks with their huge leafy crowns that they might not impede the progress of the people and when this work was done joshua ascended through a ravine which led to the brook in the valley up to the first terrace of the mountain that he might gaze around him far and near for a view of the enemy the steep pathway led past masses of red granite intersected with veins of greenish diorite until he reached a level plateau high above the oasis where beside a clear spring green bushes and delicate mountain flowers adorned the barren wilderness here he intended to rest and as he gazed around him he perceived in the shadow of an overhanging cliff a man's tall figure it was moses the flight of his thoughts had wrapped him so far away from the present and his surroundings that he did not perceive joshua's approach and the latter was restrained by respectful awe from approaching the man of god he waited patiently till the latter raised his bearded face and greeted him with friendly dignity then they gazed together at the oasis and the desolate stony valleys of the mountain region at their feet the emerald waters of the small portion of the red sea which washed the western slope of the mountain also glittered beneath them meanwhile they talked of the people and the greatness and omnipotence of the god who had so wonderfully guided them 
and as they looked northward they beheld the endless long stream of hebrews which following the curves of the rocky valley was surging slowly toward the oasis then joshua opened his heart to the man of god and told him the questions he had asked himself during the past sleepless night and to which he had found no answer the latter listened quietly and in deep faltering tones answered in broken sentences the lawlessness in the camp ah it is ruining the people but the lord placed the power to destroy it in our hands woe betide him who resists they must feel this power which is as sublime as yonder mountain as immovable as its solid rock then moses's wrathful words ceased after both had gazed silently into vacancy for a long time joshua broke the silence by asking and what is the name of this power loudly and firmly from the bearded lips of the man of god rang the words the law he pointed with his staff to the summit of the mountain then waving his hand to his companion he left him joshua completed his search for the foe and saw on the yellow sands of the valley dark figures moving to and fro they were the remnants of the defeated amalekite bands seeking new abodes he watched them a short time and after convincing himself that they were quitting the oasis he thoughtfully returned to the valley the law he repeated again and again ay that was what the wandering tribes lacked it was doubtless reserved for its severity to transform the hordes which had escaped bondage into a people worthy of the god who preferred them above the other nations of the earth here the chief's reflections were interrupted for human voices the lowing and bleating of herds the barking of dogs and the heavy blows of hammers rose to his ears from the oasis they were pitching the tents a work of peace for which no one needed him lying down in the shadow of a thick tamarisk bush above which a tall palm tree towered proudly he stretched his limbs comfortably to rest in the assurance that the people were now provided for in war by his good sword in peace by the law this was much it renewed his hopes yet no no it was not all could not be the final goal the longer he reflected the more profoundly he felt that this was not enough to satisfy him concerning those below whom he cherished in his heart as if they were brothers and sisters his broad brow again clouded and roused from his repose by fresh doubts he gently shook his head no again no the law could not afford to those who were so dear to him everything that he desired for them something else was needed to make their future as dignified and beautiful as he had beheld it before his mind's eye on his journey to the mines but what was it what name did this other need bear he began to rack his brain to discover it and while with closed lids he permitted his thoughts to rove to the other nations whom he had known in war and peace in order to seek among them the one thing his own people lacked sleep overpowered him and a dream showed him miriam and a lovely girl who looked like kasana as she had so often rushed to meet him when a sweet innocent child followed by the white lamb which nun had given to his favorite many years before both figures offered him a gift and asked him to choose one or the other miriam's hand held a heavy gold tablet at whose top was written in flaming letters the law and which she offered with stern severity. 
the child extended one of the beautifully curved palm leaves which he had often waved as a messenger of peace the sight of the tablet filled him with pious awe the palm branch waved a friendly greeting and he quickly grasped it but scarcely was it in his hand ere the figure of the prophetess melted into the air like mist which the morning breeze blows away in painful astonishment he now gazed at the spot where she had stood and surprised and troubled by his strange choice though he felt he had made the right one he asked the child what her gift imported to him and to the people she waved her hand to him pointed into the distance and uttered three words whose gentle musical sound sank deep into his heart yet hard as he strove to catch their purport he did not succeed and when he asked the child to explain them the sound of his own voice roused him and he returned to the camp disappointed and thoughtful afterwards he often tried to remember those words but always in vain all his great powers both mental and physical he continued to devote to the people but his nephew ephraim as a powerful prince of his tribe who well deserved the high honors he enjoyed in after years founded a home of his own where old nun watched the growth of great-grandchildren who promised a long perpetuation of his noble race every one is familiar with joshua's later life so rich in action and how he won in battle a new home for his people there in the promised land many centuries later was born in bethlehem another jehoshua who bestowed on all mankind what the son of nun had vainly sought for the hebrew nation the three words uttered by the child's lips which the chief had been unable to comprehend were love mercy redemption end of the conclusion end of joshua by george ebers recorded by anne boulet